morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. What a great way to start our time of worship and celebration. Giving praise and glory to God and counting the blessings, not taking them for granted. So thank you for taking the time to come. If you're a guest for the very first time, we'd ask you, if you haven't already filled out one of our guest cards, to take that from the pew in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave. We would certainly appreciate that. Today we are celebrating God and all that he's done and his work around the world. We have Don Carlson with us to share a Deacon Gideon, uh, a Gideon testimony in just a little bit. And I wanted to share with you that uh, Gideons are near and dear to my heart. Uh, my very first church in New Mexico many, many years ago, I had 80 people that came to church and I had five Gideons there. And I tell you what, they, they did an incredible, incredible work sharing the scriptures around the globe. And I want you to hear their ministry today and compliment that with the, uh, with the message that we're focused on today. So at the right time, uh, Don's going to come. I think there's a video just prior to his coming. So listen intently and hear what God has to say. Let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you so much for the day and the time that you've given us. What a wonderful opportunity for us to sing songs of the faith that have deep and dear meaning. And Father, lift them up to you as an aroma of praise. And I pray for every aspect of this service. I pray for our own preparation. I pray for our anticipation and our expectation that we're going to experience your presence in this place today, personally and as the body of Christ. And I ask God that every other thought will move out of our, our focus and that we will focus completely upon you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Christ was born in a distant land. Tell the good news, tell the good news. We often sing this at Christmas, but it's certainly not limited to just Christmas. Let's stand and sing together.
Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here, Lord. Would you please pray with me? <coughs> Heavenly Father, as we meet here today, I pray that each mind, each heart will clear and hear the words, Lord, that we are going to be singing and preaching and teaching. Help us, Lord, to take any of the burdens, the cares of this world, and give them all to you, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord. I pray especially for those that don't know you, that if there's anyone here that has never received Christ as their Savior, I pray that this will be the day. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. In your precious name I pray. my job and ended up on the streets. I found it a suitable place for me to hang myself. We found our son had taken his own life on our property. Just as the distribution was ending, someone placed a testament in my outstretched hand. That one testament had a great impact on our lives and our family. This is an opportunity for me to have a New Testament. As I began to read the book of Revelations, I could see how much God loved me. It was like for the first time in my life that, that I really felt acceptance. I'm fixing up this drug, and I see the Gideon's Bible over there. But there was, there was a force compelling me to pick this up. You know, he says he'd take away all the weights and burdens that you have. They were gone. It has given me hope for daily living in the worst circumstances of my life. 
then I knew that there was someone who loved me. All I said was, yes, Lord. And, and it was like a, I was born again right there. scriptures distributed each time your heart beats. Seeing and hearing these amazing testimonies is why we serve in this unique ministry, to see life turned to Christ after being given a Bible or a New Testament. Guineas International receives testimonies like this on a daily basis, which is proof that God's word does not return void. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. As Gideons, we often receive accounts from people who have taken the Bibles that they find in hotel rooms. This is the first time we've heard of a hotel that is leaving something behind in trade. A pastor in Pontana, California got a call from a local hotel owner asking him for help because he had a problem with the Gideons. The pastor asked him what the problem was. The hotel owner told him the guest had taken Bible from the hotel room and left a gun in his place. The pastor told him, that is the blessing, not a problem. The hotel owner went on to tell the pastor that that Gideon Place Bible had saved someone's life. And he needed a replacement right away. He wanted to make sure there was a Bible in every hotel room. The hotel owner completely understood the purpose and power of the Bibles that we place in hotel rooms. Now, our founders began to study the Word of God in 1908 with an initial focus on motel rooms, and an untold number of lives have been changed as a result, including the one who traded his gun for a Bible. And we just hope he traded his whole life in, too, for a new one in Christ as well. To date, members and auxiliary, our wives, have placed over 2.4 billion Bibles all around the world. Now, Gaines International is an association of Christian business and professional men and their wives tell them people about Jesus through personal sharing and by providing Bibles and New Testaments. Now the video just shows how our ministry has changed. In addition to placing Bibles in hotels, we personally witness and distribute God's Word to police, fire, medical, person, medical personnel, also military, prisoners, middle schools, high schools, and universities. And we share Testaments with those who we interact on a daily basis. Now, during the COVID pandemic, a major focus was centered on reaching and distributing testaments to the first responders. Now, interestingly, this pandemic has brought about increased requests for scriptures from hospitals and rehab centers, and these requests still continue today. I just received this email from a hospital chaplain. He says, hi, Don. Thanks again for helping us meet the request for Bibles at Destiny Springs Mental Health Hospital. I am finding that a few patients are Spanish-speaking and would like a Spanish Bible. Is it possible for you to drop off a box of them for me to distribute? The Bibles are flying out faster than I ever expected. I have other staff promoting the reading of the Bibles you gave us. From all the other words people need to sort through in their lives, they somehow realize that the Bible is a certain word for their lives. It's amazing. Now, during an international scripture blitz, Gideons were distributing New Testaments 
to a, a very busy entrance to a university in Porto Alegre, Brazil. Around noon, one of them noticed a strange odor, but couldn't detect where it was coming from. At one point in the day, he presented a New Testament to a well-dressed young man who began cursing at him in Portuguese. You know what you can do with all these books? You can just throw them away. Like I'm going to do now, as he said, as he threw the Testament as far as he could at the roof of a nearby building. A little later, the Gideon began to smell that strong odor again. He turned around, and there stood a very short man, completely covered with tar. He had been working on the roof of that nearby building. The man said, I was on the roof of that building, and I was contemplating taking my life because I'm so messed up. But a miracle happened. God hit me in the head with this book. <laughs> as, he held up, as he held up the New Testament. I'd been thrown to the rooftop by the other young man earlier in the day. So I just read in this Bible that I can have eternal life. Please, sir, tell me how, he pleaded. A local Gideon from Brazil witnessed to the man, and he became our brother in Christ. God's word ends up in the right hands just in time. This last October, Gideon from the Greater Phoenix metropolitan area, including our camps in Tucson, handed out over 17,000 New Testaments to fifth graders and up at the Arizona State Fair. This is during the whole month of October. Now, the tragedy that's happening in Ukraine has touched all of us. 100,000 scriptures have been distributed to the refugees that are fleeing over the border to Poland. Pray that many will come to Christ and find comfort in God's word. There are 2,100 Gideons and auxiliary in the Ukraine and 3,300 members in Russia. Just pray that they will stand firm and pray for their safety. Now, church donations have a huge impact on enabling Gideons to provide Bibles and New Testaments, especially to countries which cannot afford to purchase them. The Gideon Card Bible Program is another way you can donate scriptures. These cards are free. There's a card display at, the, at your front entrance. Send the card. Send God's word. And if God has opened your heart to this ministry, consider making the financial gift. You can make a check payable to the Gideons by using the envelope in your bulletin insert, and there's also a credit card form that is available. Now we covered your prayers. Pray that we'll have a steady flow of funds to meet the ever-increasing demand that we receive for God's word. Pray that those who receive God's word will not only open the scriptures, but also open their hearts to Christ. And pray they will have more men and their wives join the Gideons to help distribute God's word all over the world. And they're very active in 200 countries. Thank you, Pastor Kirby, for this opportunity to share about the Gideon ministry. Thank you, First Baptist Church, for your support in helping us distribute God's word all around the world. And thank you, all of you, for your attention. May God bless you.
Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Please follow along in your Bible or on the screens. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those <coughs> excuse me, who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh in the law, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body, to reconcile both of them to God, through the cross 
by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are blessed by this reading today, for these are the words of the Lord. Thank 
Thank you very, very much. Don, thank you. The term thank you is kind of an interesting term. We pretty well all know what it means. It's being grateful for something that someone has done. Something that uh, we communicate. Usually, the mere words don't express enough in the depth of our gratitude. And I think about that on an event that happened in 1966 at Lake Pleasant. There was, a, uh, there was a park ranger in his truck on the dam. And he was just observing everything that was taking place. That's what his job was. And all of a sudden, he heard this noise on the ramp where people let boats off. An old gravel ramp, rough. 
And what he saw was this old station wagon that began to go backwards. And he realized that somebody was in trouble. He could hear the person yelling. <laughs> and so in a flash, that park ranger went from the dam in his truck all the way to the ramp with a rope in hand. And what he found as that station wagon was going into the water was a man who was able to get the door open so the water pressure could open it. But the water flowed in and he had heavy, heavy overalls and the water was just soaking into the waterlogged overalls. He couldn't get out as that station wagon continued to, to flow into Lake Pleasant. A smart thinking park, res, uh, park ranger took that rope, ran as far as he could, and he threw that rope to the man. The man caught it, and through that stability and him bringing him out through the car, waterlogged, he was able to save that man's life. And as an eight-year-old, I watched all of this taking place. Because the man was my dad. Many of you have heard the other side of the story of that whole event, but my focus today is on the park ranger. Because that day, I could have easily lost my father. If somebody hadn't been watching, if somebody hadn't been prepared, if somebody had not looked and said, I can change this, and he threw him a lifeline and saved his life. Now, there are some reasons why my father chose to take that rope. Number one, uh, he was doomed if he didn't. <laughs> that car quickly was out of sight and into the lake. Second, he couldn't save himself. As much as he tried, found out later that the brakes had failed, the fluid was out, he had some kind of pothole or rock uh, while the boat was being taken out, and so he had no way to stop it. And as it went into the water, the only thing he could think of as the water was rushing in is to try to get that door open enough to get, be able to try to get out. But it came in so quickly and he got drenched so fast with those heavy clothes on, he couldn't get around and get out. But getting that rope changed everything. So he couldn't save himself. Third, I believe that there were some interesting things that were going to happen in the future and he didn't want to miss them. <laughs> And so he took that rope. And working with that ranger, he was saved. I think in the second chapter of, uh, of Ephesians, we see that Paul talks about some of these very things. He gives us an understanding that there are lost and saved. And he goes through and he's talking to the church at Ephesus. These people had come to know Christ. They'd come out of a pagan lifestyle. But there were so many more who were lost. So Paul in this passage helps us to understand not only the reality of the lostness of people, but also how important it is for we as believers to share, to throw the lifeline out for those who are doomed. We find that there are some things the lost do not have. Number one, the lost are not part of God's kingdom. 
In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. Look at that. How sad to be excluded, separate, and a foreigner to the covenants of God. Paul, in three different ways, tried to get the church at Ephesus to understand this is what the lost people are like. They're separate from Christ. They're excluded from the citizenship. And that they also are foreigners, the covenants of promise. You know, no one likes to be excluded. Uh, there, are, there are people that we meet uh, who are discouraged and lonely. In our communities, that happens a lot. And nobody likes to be in that position. There are some people that even in their childhood, they were excluded from some activities. You might be one of those. And you've carried that all the way through your life, always trying to figure out how can I be accepted because of that memory of being excluded. When Debbie and I went on a short-term mission trip to the Yucatan, it was drilled into us, and also I understood as we were there during those times doing evangelistic crusades that I had no rights in the Yucatan in Mexico because I was not a citizen there. I was a foreigner, and there were things I had to abide with. There, there is this understanding in, in the context of what we're talking about that a foreigner is, in a sense, an intruder. You see, this is God's world, and the lost don't belong to him. Those who have rejected Christ don't belong to him, so they're, in essence, intruders into God's world. I remember years ago watching a black ant go into a colony of red ants, and it was like a swarm coming in and attacking that black ant and killing it. It was an intruder. Listen, God allows you to live in this world, but if you don't know Christ, you don't belong. You're an outsider. You're not part of the kingdom of God. That's what Paul's trying to say. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. The covenants of promise, they refer to the God's promises of future blessings. It's the understanding of the covenant that God has in the Old Testament with the coming of the Messiah, in the New Testament, an understanding of eternal life for those who embrace Christ. So the lost are not part of God's kingdom. That's one of the things they do not have. Secondly, the lost live outside of God's protection. Paul says in verse 12, without hope and without God in this world. Can you imagine? It's unimaginable horror to live in this world without hope and without God. And yet that's where so many live. As a believer, I have some claims on God because I'm his child. It's, they're guaranteed. John said in 1 John 3, 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Straightforward as it can be. The lost don't know him outside of his protection. But we who have believed in Christ and what Christ has done, we are children of God. And he says, that is what we are. 
I hope, I hope you understand that. I hope that you're living as a child of God. I hope that you're understanding the blessings that we have because the lost, those without Christ, they don't. Those who live outside of God's protection have no claims on him. Uh, there's no one to turn to in a time of need. There's no greater power. You can always turn to somebody else if you have friends or neighbors or family members, but we're all failing creatures. We can fail even the very best of our friends. But God, God never fails. The lost also are without promise in this world. Ephesians chapter 2 says, foreigners to the covenants of promise. That word promise is covenant. The lost are outside of God's covenant. This is the covenant. God says that if I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, he will give me salvation and he will give me eternal life. If you remember when he instituted the Lord's Supper, in Matthew chapter 26 and 28, he said, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And at the end of that verse, he says, and I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This covenant of promise, that's what Christ has done for us. And so we who are believers and have accepted Christ, we have this covenant of promise. But those who are outside of that protection, who have not embraced Christ, they don't have that promise. They are excluded, foreigners to that covenant of promise. Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 2, I am going there to prepare a place for you. What is he saying? He's, talk, he's talking about a time in the future when he's going to be leaving the disciples. And he's saying, I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to prepare a place for you. That is one of the promises that we have. It's a covenant promise. Just like he said, when, when, uh, when I won't drink this anew until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom, he's gone to prepare that place. One of these days, he's going to come back and he's going to take us home. Or when we take our last breath, if we're believers, we're going to be in his presence. That is the covenant of promise that we have. But those who are lost, those who are outside, those who have not accepted Christ, that no one has showed them the way, they don't have that promise. That place is for his people. And if the people reject his salvation, then that place is not that person's place. That's where we come in. We need to realize this. We need to understand that there are lost people everywhere. In Sun City West alone, of our about 25,000 people that live here, the survey showed that around 8.5 to 9 out of every 10 people that we, that we come in contact with in Sun City West are lost according to the definition of what an evangelical Christian would, would share. That's a lot of folks. We normally meet with us here, so probably 99% of everyone who comes in here are believers. We come together, we worship, we celebrate, we are equipped, we, we learn, we celebrate, we help each other through in the ministry of, of the compassion ministry within our body of Christ. 
But the people that we run into in Sun City West, all of Arizona, around this world, the majority, high majority, don't know Christ. And they are without promise in this world. The fourth thing that the lost don't have is hope. Paul said they live without hope and without God in the world. There's a hopelessness because they don't know what to look for next. They just think, gosh, we're going to live, and then we're going to die, and that's it. I don't think about it any more than that. Nothing to look forward to. And it's kind of sad that if you get up in the morning, you don't have anything to look forward to. Just another day. The lost could well be like John Poe. John Poe was a lost rancher. He died. All of his friends and his family members were lost. And it was the most sad thing in that service to have one of his best friends, old friends, say, so long, John. Pathetic hopelessness. That's it. Just, just done. Nothing to look forward to. You know, as a person who has not received Christ, that really gives a dim picture. Oh, we can live through this life. We can be successful. We can make a lot of money. We can have high promotions. We can have incredible family life. We can travel the world. There's so many things that we have the ability to without Christ. But what we don't have is this understanding that we are part of God's kingdom. We are outside of God's protection. We don't have the promise of God in this world. We don't have the hope of eternity but you see there are some things that salvation offer and we need to be reminded of those because as we look at just the lostness of people and what they don't have it kind of is a downer it kind of makes us feel sad it should it should grieve our hearts it should be a painful time for us it should so convict our heart and our soul that our neighbors even some of our family members, the people that we connect with at the rec centers, wherever we go, that the majority of those folks don't know Christ within this community. And so it should make us aware. But there are some things that salvation offers. That's why the Gideons, over more than 100 years, have placed, what is it, 1.7 billion scriptures? What's that? 2.4 billion. Yeah, that, the website I looked up is a little off. 2.4 billion scriptures. Why do you think they go to that effort? Why do you think that they do everything they can themselves as laypersons to raise the funds and to get them distributed? I remember the very first New Testament I got was in fifth grade outside of a, uh, outside of a, a school, an elementary school, and the Gideons were there at the sidewalk handing it out. I still remember that. Made an impression on me. Listen, those scriptures are valuable. The communication of what those scriptures say, which is the gospel of Christ, is for all of us. It's not just for the Gideons. It's not just for the preachers. It's for all of us to communicate wherever we go. Because that salvation offers several things. Number one, it gives hope. Paul said in Ephesians 2.12, they're without hope. But then in verse 13, he said, now... But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were far away 
now have been brought near to Christ. Listen, I was far away, but now I was brought near. It's the same thing with you. You see, I, honestly, I'm not afraid to die. Um, that's just something that I, I don't dwell on it, but it doesn't bother me. I'd, I'd feel sad for my family because they love me so much, right? <laughs> but the reality is, it's okay because I know where I'm going. You see, for me, death is not the end. It's a transition. It's a transition from this temporal life to a life that is eternal. My, my spirit moves right on into what God has desired for me. But it's not so for those without Christ. The moment that they breathe their last, that's it. And it's sad. So it gives us hope. Salvation gives hope. Secondly, salvation makes God's presence real. Paul said in Ephesians 2.19, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That's who we are. When we've given our life to Christ, we're no longer excluded from the citizenship. Now we are part of the citizenship. We're with fellow citizens with God's people. And he says we are also members of God's household. There's nothing better than to be a member of God's household. When you give your life, your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is there permanently. It can't be erased. can't be blotted out. It's permanent. And that presence of Christ in your life is real. It's the most important decision anybody will ever make. And if it was years ago for us, those are things that sometimes we need to revisit and remember. That's what I spoke of last week. We've got to remember those things because we are now members of God's family. We are, in the end, we're part of an incredible group of people because of what Christ has done and because we have chosen to embrace Christ. Fellow citizens have that idea of being on the same team. We're God's people. No matter what denominational level uh, label that you might put on anybody, the reality is that we're God's people if we have a relationship with Christ. Time, uh, the, the term household has that idea of living together as a family. And we're part of God's family. And God's family, that's a huge deal. Because you know, in a household that has love as its basis, you always have the ability to go home. You always have the ability to go and make connections. In the most difficult times of life, that's, those are the people that are going to come around you and encourage you. It's that way in our family lives. It's that way in our church family life. It's that way in the kingdom of God. It should always be that way because we are family. And it makes God's presence real in our midst. And third, we find that it's permanent. Salvation is permanent. Paul says in verse 16, the first part, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. It's the, the idea of reconciliation means to fuse. Now, things melted together, like silver and copper, can be separated. You melt them together, you can separate them again. But things fused together cannot be separated. Why is that? It's because in the fusion, the atom is broken down and becomes a new atom. You can't separate it back the way it was. It's fused together. And that's where we are with Christ. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we are fused with Him. It is permanent. 
We are changed completely. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The fusion has taken place. You can't go back. You can't be separated again. A new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I like that permanency. Being fused with Christ. So, there are things that the lost don't have. There are things that salvation provides. What now? Well, salvation is real. We've established that. Also, salvation is offered to all. Paul said in verse 13, the middle part, he says, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's interesting terminology. He says you're brought near. You see, salvation is a possibility, but only a possibility. Why is that? Because he says that you're brought near. That term brought near means within reach, but not a fact at that point. You see, the lost... They are brought near with the opportunity of salvation. They can hear the gospel of Christ. You can share with them exactly what Christ has done in your life. It is brought near to them. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. So they were far away through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It is brought near to them. The opportunity for salvation is right within their grasp. You go into a jewelry store, you want to get some special anniversary gift for your wife, and so you look in that, in that cabinet, and you see all these beautiful rings, pendants, and you say, I'd like to take a closer look at that. And so what does she do, or she do? She brings it out, and what does she do? She brings it out so that you can bring it near to look at it. But is it yours? <laughs> Not at that price. <laughs> but if you said I'm going to take that and you pay for it it becomes real yours the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 part C that we are brought near by the blood of Christ you're right there the lost have the opportunity. And pretty much, it's in a nutshell like this. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as God said in the Exodus, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Everyone who put the blood of a sacrifice lamb over the doorway the angel of death passed over because the blood was there when Jesus Christ died on the cross was buried and was resurrected Christ see uh, God sees the blood and it's brought near to us and if we will embrace that salvation that's offered because of the blood of Christ it can change everything but you see, it's not automatic. 
just because you were born in a Christian family, just because you were born in America, just because doesn't count. It's not automatic. Every single person must come to the place where they acknowledge their sin, where they confess their sin before God. Acknowledge means, yes, there's sin there. Confession means, yes, I take responsibility. That is my sin. And then you repent, meaning you turn from it. You say, God, I ask you to take this sin away from me, and I am going to strive for the rest of my life to live the way that you want me to. And the fourth part is to receive Christ in salvation. It's a salvation process. So it's not automatic, but you're brought near. The people that you know who don't know Christ that you need to share Christ with, they're so near. It's right there because of the blood of Christ. But they need to go over the threshold. And you're the one, and I'm the one, who needs to get them over that threshold as they make their own decision. Not only is salvation by the blood of Christ, we also acknowledge and understand it's through the grace of God. Paul said in Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Grace means unmerited favor. The lost, the lost can't earn it. They can't do anything enough. And I've spoken about that recently in the past. It is freely given by Christ. It is a gift. If you have a birthday party or you have an anniversary party or just uh, you have a party <laughs> and somebody comes and brings you a gift, what are you going to do with it? Unless you want to be rude, you accept that gift. Not new many, too many people that I've brought gifts to have said, nope, thank you, I don't want this at all. <laughs> and yet, here Jesus is offering this incredible gift. Salvation which is abundant life in this life and eternal life in the life to come. You can't work for it. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. But you can receive it. In the midst of this sermon, there are two things I want you to understand. Number one, salvation is real. And if you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to accept that salvation through Christ. And second, the lost, the lost are separated from God today. And Jesus has commissioned us to go and make disciples, to share the faith. I still can't get away from that park ranger. He was a park ranger. That's what he did. He could have sat there, just kind of twiddling his thumbs, enjoying the benefits of being a park ranger, the beautiful scenery out of Lake Pleasant. And that car would have gone right in the, in the lake with the great potential of my dad dying. But he didn't because he was aware. He knew the dangers around the lake. He was prepared to go and throw him that lifeline. So he was aware, he saw it, and he took action. He didn't wait. 
He said, well, somebody will tell him. Somebody will get him out of there. Or maybe, maybe he'll get to, out of there himself. Maybe he'll swim out. That's not what he did. Immediately when he saw, he took action. And he took his rope and he threw him the lifeline. It reminds me of uh, a song sung by Ella Fitzgerald years ago. The lines in it, throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There's a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline, his peril to share? Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Who do you know who is sinking today? Who do you know? Is it your next door neighbor? Is it the person at the store that you see checking you out constantly? Is it somebody maybe that you work with here in the workforce? Maybe it's one of your golf buddies. Maybe it's somebody at the community pool that you connect with. Who is sinking today that you need to be the one to throw the lifeline? Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just specifically want to ask these two things that you impress upon our minds and our hearts that if there is anyone here today that does not know that they have eternal life through Christ, transformation in their heart, that they would choose to make that decision today. And secondly, for the high majority of us here today, Father, help us to be alert, attuned, and ready to be in action to throw out that lifeline to the people that we are around. And Father, I pray through the power of your Spirit that you would convict each one of us. Speak to us gently, but help us to firmly commit to be the communicators of the gospel, the sharers of Scripture the people who compassionately care to earn the right to share Christ as the time goes on and we build those relationships, but that we will be aware today and ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing our invitation hymn. However God has spoken to you today, I would encourage you to come if you will.
seat if you would just for just for a minute or two um, Don thank you for taking the opportunity to come today uh, we're going to have um, individuals at all four exits with offering plates if you would like to give to the Gideons to help them to distribute the scriptures uh, to form four billion and counting uh, what's that 200 countries of the world yeah yeah I would suggest that you do that and you you can give as you go I'll make those checks out to the Gideons I believe um, or if you want to take there's a bulletin insert take that with you there's an envelope you can send in there's a postcard you can fill out it gives you more information about the Gideons I, uh, I I love and support the Gideons and we appreciate all that y'all are doing we partner with them and that's the beautiful idea is the Gideons come beside the local church to help us in, uh, in the mission that God's given us. So as we leave, remember that. And I just wanted to quickly acknowledge uh, my brother and uh, his wife Becky and my uh, grandniece over there, Harper, is uh, they're here from Texas and it's so good to see you guys. Yeah, go ahead and welcome them. I don't know you. My brother's been here before, but my sister-in-law, it's been Thanksgiving when we first moved here, I think. That's the time that, uh, that we had to sleep on all air mattresses over Thanksgiving because all of our furniture came from Florida with mold on it. So <laughs> anyway, fun times, fun times. It's great to have you all with us. It's great to have my sister and my brother-in-law here. You know, that's the first time the three of us been together or, or the families in a long time. So we're going to look forward to a few days together. Anyway, um, Nancy? The beautiful flowers on the altar table today are provided by Shirley Stone in loving memory of her husband, Paul. Thank you, Shirley. We appreciate those. There are two sign-ups in both lobbies, the small lobby as well as the main lobby. The first one, if you are planning to come on Thursday at 1230 for lunch prior to the movie, we need to have your name on the dotted line today or for certain by the end of the day tomorrow so that we will have sufficient food for you. There's no charge for the movie, but if you're coming for lunch, which is a pizza lunch, we need to know that, and that will be $5. There's also a sign-up for you to begin signing up for the Men's Fellowship Breakfast, which will be the first Tuesday of June, and Paul Barnes will be the speaker for that. Men, you have today plus two more weeks, but those sign-ups are out there for you. You'll also see on the back of the bulletin that next Sunday we will be observing the Lord's Supper and a special Memorial Day service. The movie this week is Taking Chance, which is a memorial-themed movie. I think that you will be touched by that, and I hope that you will come and enjoy the movie with friends, bring community people, we invite them, and we'll have popcorn and water for you. I have asked Casey Boss, who is our team leader for the security team, and we appreciate so much their ministry. He's going to come and lead us in our closing prayer, so if you would stand as he comes. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and God, we have grateful hearts for the church that we have here, for the message that was expounded upon today, Lord, that people need Jesus, as we sang earlier. And God, I just pray and pray that this church together will pray that we may touch people's lives 
by telling them, showing them about Jesus, about your plan of salvation, Father. And we thank you for the plan of salvation. And your word asked, who shall I send to give out this plan? And the answer is, send me, Lord. I pray, Father, that this morning or this week, we'll have opportunities to share the gospel with people in our neighborhood, with loved ones, and with our families. And God, now I pray that you will bless us and keep us, that your face will shine upon us, and that you will give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.